Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Parenting with Huddle Wisdom podcast. It's Devin Tan. I'm a forensic and child psychiatrist. I'm a parent. And if this is the first time you are joining me today, welcome. So nice to have you. I share mental models and frameworks to help you navigate the complexities of parenting in modern times. Shout out to you, my friend Andrew, for inspiring this episode. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the challenge of knowing how hard to push your children and when you should ease off. This is especially uh, difficult uh, when it comes to school refusal. A lot of us struggle with this and it comes up a lot in conversation, not just in clinic, but also outside of clinic and also in our own personal lives. So I figured, you know, it's it's a great topic to get our teeth into because there's no easy answers. But there is, I think, a way to think about uh, what's going on for our kids and what's going on in the environment. There's a clue there uh, to help us figure out where that line is. And if we know where that line is, we have a better idea then of how we should or should not be pushing our kids um, with that line in mind. So, uh, oh, by the way, there is a new module as well on the Huddle Wisdom course, uh, Empathic Discipline, for existing students, in case you did not know. Uh, and, And these new modules, or modules that I'm going to add to the course, is something that I'm going to do for the life of the course. at least for as long as I'm alive, and I hope that that's for many more years down the road. Uh, But it is something that I only offer exclusively for the benefit of my students, those who have um, enrolled in the Empathic Discipline course. And if you haven't done that yet, I encourage you to do so. Um, And the benefit is that you only just pay one small price and you get all this stuff for the rest of your life or my life as it were the next module is going to be about what parents can do with troubled kids or risky kids kids who do risky things and when it all feels impossible so I'm working on that one now but uh, the one about knowing when to challenge your kids and when to to ease back uh, is live now And this episode is inspired by that. Uh, So it's going to be still going to give you some. So today I'm going to still give you some good stuff. uh, But I dig into that a little bit more in the module um, when you enroll in the course. All right. So where to start? Where do we start? Well, like Maria says in The Sound of Music, it's good to start from the beginning or something like that. Do you remember the sound of music? Wonderful. Wonderful. All right, so, okay, so what approach are we going to adopt when it comes to school refusal? First, it's important to recognize that there are different reasons for people refusing to go to school. So the easiest sort of school refusal to manage uh, involves mm, situations where uh, there is a lack of incentive. You know, and cause usually tends to be because a child perceives that they have nothing to gain from going to school. 
uh, and there are uh, important factors around that to keep in mind, you know, cultural factors, family factors, school factors, right? But it's, it tends to be a structural and logistical problem. The hardest type of school refusal to tackle is when anxiety is the barrier. And it's hard because we have to fight biology. But you can use empathic discipline principles in order to tackle this issue. Now note, empathic discipline is not the same as permissive parenting. What empathic discipline is, is an approach that recognizes children as people who are struggling to manage certain environmental demands or expectations because they don't yet have the skills to cope and manage said, de said demands and or expectations. So treating school refusal requires us to have a good understanding or appreciation of the demands, pressures and expectations in the environment bearing down on the child and understanding what our children's um, needs are in terms of uh, what they need in order to develop certain skills. Um, and then it also requires collaboration and planning and goal setting and for all the relevant stakeholders to be on the same page. Teacher, relevant staff, student, you know, your child, and you as a parent, sometimes in some cases, siblings. And if you don't have that team collaboration, you are going to be pushing the proverbial uphill. Now, you might hear your grandfather or your grandmother saying, oh, back in my day, Back in my day, we had to go to school and we would have to go anyway, even though we had no shoes. We had to go through <laughs> you know, the snow, mud, sleet, hail, all that stuff. And I say, actually, it would be much easier to go to school if you did not have to wear shoes. And if you did not have a school uniform, so much easier not to have shoe, shoes. Do you know how hard it is sometimes to get kids to leave their house with their shoes on? <laughs> you know, and then you can't just let them leave the house without shoes because then you get a call from social services for not providing the necessities of life and making excuses that, uh, you know, <laughs> um, they just didn't want to wear their shoes. It just doesn't cut it, right? And you get into trouble. Or at least you, you worry about getting into trouble. Anyway, I don't so much these days. Mm. Also, you might hear, ah, just pull your socks up, man. Just pull your socks up, man. It's just school. Dude, I don't even wear socks. <laughs> or this other one, you know, suck it up, buttercup. Why... Why are buttercups sucking things up? I don't understand. What does that mean? Someone please explain to me. You know, all those um, solutions would be great, of course, if we could do that and magically get rid of anxiety simply by pulling our socks up. No, but at the same time, I acknowledge that beating anxiety does require an element of exposure. 
Much easier when you have a team supporting your child. Much easier in the context of a village where everyone has each other's back. It's much more difficult these days in modern times. We have to curate our own village deliberately and intentionally from the beginning. We have to do this now in modern times. It's so different now. I don't care what people say, you know, it's, it is different. It really is. And I think, and I'm digressing, but it, I, I, I think there's something to be said for community and, being, and that being protective for kids um, as, they, as they grow up in their formative years. You know, kids who don't grow up in community um, they, they, they can really struggle with their mental health. You know, we have these islands, these pockets of isolation now. You know, we, the world spins so fast, it moves so fast, there's so much to do, so many deadlines, you know. And then there's also this notion that uh, we have to uh, live live your bliss but then in order to live your bliss you have to adopt certain practices in order to live your bliss and some of those are quite selfish right you know this whole fire movement right you know what um i don't quite remember the the acronym but you know there's all these movements um aimed towards um, helping an individual get the most out of life, the individual to get the most out of themselves. Um, you know, community is only paid lip service, right? Well, it used to be the other way around because you depended on you dependent you depended on your community for survival. Yeah. But now, things come so easy to us, right? We get, what's that, what do they call it? Drop shipping. Amazon Now. <laughs> Is that what they call it? Amazon Prime? Amazon Now? Click on the button, now. Now you get it. Bang! Drones from the sky. Dropping stickers to your door. Easy, easy peasy. I've heard some students' schools complain to parents because their kids have been ordering Uber Eats at lunchtime on their mobile phones, on their smartphones at school. And schools have had to say, don't do that. Don't do that. Keep your smartphones at home. Lock them away. Don't order Uber <laughs> Eats at lunchtime. <laughs> if you are, get me a pizza. But you're not getting me a pizza because you're only thinking about yourself because you're living your bliss. Fire. Proponents of the fire movement are probably going to burn me. Ah, you get the joke. <laughs> I don't understand it. And forgive me my ignorance, but this is not the point. Anyway, I'm trying to be funny. It's probably not funny. Okay, so let's get back on track. Devin, get back on track. So sorry for those of you who have just joined me. I do this too much but i can't help it i'm working on it you should have listened to episode <laughs> one 
you're going here and there and here and there. I'll try and be more straight talking now. All right, so what, what was I saying before? Beating anxiety requires some element of exposure. But you, you, you don't, need, you, you can't use magic in order to treat it, right? You, you, you have to, to do exposure treatment in community, at least a small community if you can curate one for yourself. Teacher, student, parent, maybe a sibling, maybe some schoolmates, maybe. But you have to be careful with that. You don't want to put too much responsibility onto kids. Why? 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 What, what are you saying, Devin? Don't you want kids to learn how to be independent, learn leadership skills? Well, yeah, of course I do. Yes. Right? But letting kids lead is sometimes like the blind leading the blind. They still need adults, right? So you still have to be proactive. Okay, and then we have to define all the external and internal factors that present a barrier to our children uh, moving through the transition to get from home to school. And there are a lot of barriers that might be in the way. You can use the STEPS procedure um, to, to, to sort of structure your thinking around this. Steps, S-T-E-P. S stands for say what the problem is. And there's a specific way of how you might describe a problem. You keep two questions in mind. One, what is the uh, pressure, demand, expectation bearing down on your child? Two, what are the skills your child needs to develop in order to meet those demands? Answering those two questions will help you to understand what the actual problem is. Anxiety is just a signal, right? Most of the time, it, it, it's hard to, to grasp what is creating anxiety. It's often multifactorial, often multifactorial. And having this structure in your head um, helps you to stay ahead of the game a little bit. You know, so because sometimes what happens is, say, you know, a child seems to be going well, they're going to school, and then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, they just crash, and then they get really anxious again, and then they say, no, nah, I'm not doing this today. Something's happened. Something's happened. So what is the pressure, demand, expectation? Sometimes it takes a long time to get to understanding what those factors are. But again, you have your fallback. You have your team to support. You need to build this now. You need to curate this village I'm talking about now. It is hard, but it's necessary, and it's not going to be sufficient, but it is necessary. <clears throat> All right. T stands for thinking about the solution. Okay, now you don't move to T until you've sorted out the S, or at least have uh, some understanding of what the S is. So thinking about the solution means you generate um, ideas, not more than three, most people um, get, uh, get confused if there's more than three. They get flustered. You come up with too many solutions, too many things to, to do. You come up with three, and then you just pick one. Just pick one good idea. That idea, ideally, should address the, uh, the pressure, demand, expectation, and address the skill deficit. So, for example... 
Billy gets really um, uh, really nervous when he's having to walk from the car park uh, through the playground to to the office right in the morning um, and he he hasn't learned how to regulate his emotions very well he hasn't learned how to describe how he's feeling very well it's not a great example but I hope this will take you to an understanding of what I mean by this. So, so then the problem then is not so much that Billy's becoming anxious. The problem is that Billy does not know how to communicate his distress as he's moving through the playground, which is very busy, very noisy. And who knows, you know, he might be uh, nervous about bumping into someone uh, that he has to talk to. Or he's worried about, um, you know, people thinking he looks funny. Or, you know, what, whatever. There's so many factors, right? If we don't understand what those factors are, we can't then move on to the next solution. The next solution might be, here's an idea, um, maybe find an alternative way um, to the office. Can, you know, I, I know it sounds dumb. I know. I know it sounds silly. But I'm just illustrating an example here. Or can a teacher come and meet Billy at the gate? Very difficult, especially when teachers are so busy already. There's so much uh, that's demanded of them without the commensurate resources to cope. But again, I'm just illustrating, okay? Just, just, an illustra just illustrating. Don't actually go ahead and try these without actually it being feasible, realistic, and or acceptable to your team, your village that I talked about before. The E stands for execute. Pick something, a solution that everyone agrees on as feasible, realistic, and acceptable. That solution has to be, I repeat, feasible, realistic, and acceptable to everyone. Everyone, including the student. You just execute that one. And then you probe P, P stands for probe, probe and analyze uh, and critically assess what went right and what went wrong. You want to um, do this step because sometimes things go right for the wrong reasons and sometimes things go wrong for the right reasons. You know, you might do all the right things, but whatever happens, happens and sometimes it surprises you. That's why it's so important to have a system for thinking about the environment and the skills that your kid needs in order to cope. Because if you can understand what skills your kid needs, you don't have to worry just about school drop-offs. I mean, of course you do, but your job now is to teach your kids certain skills to cope with the specific demand, pressure, or expectation. I know this all sounds so obvious, but in the heat of the moment, it does not feel obvious, and it doesn't feel straightforward. That's why, again, I keep coming back to this. Planning, planning, planning. If you don't plan, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Dwight Eisenhower said this. Amazing, amazing biography if you have a chance to read it. Planning. I mean, things don't always go to plan, but it's the process of planning that is the key here because it sets your mindset 
right? It keeps your brain, <laughs> your mind open, supple to change because things do change. Okay, and then you repeat the process, right? You refine the process. You refine the solution. You know, maybe that teacher walking to pick up Billy is not the great, greatest solution. Maybe it should be you. Maybe it should be a sibling. Maybe it should be another student. But don't let that student just look after Billy for the whole morning, right? Okay? Anyway, I hope you get the point. Steps, planning, community. Think of those two questions. That's the, 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 the problem for Billy is not the anxiety. The, the, yes, the anxiety is uncomfortable. And yes, anxiety does make your body feel like it's going to go into fight, flight, or freeze. And then you might you know, do certain things in order to, um, uh, to, to in a response, as a response to, to that anxiety. But the problem is that mismatch between what's going on in the environment and what's going on in the child, which is a lack of skill or uh, underdeveloped skills to cope with pressure, demand, expectations. If you don't have a plan, you might as well not uh, push your child. Does that make sense? That's very clear. If you don't have a plan and you push your child, uh, you might, mm, it will backfire. Believe me, it's going to backfire. <laughs> Now, this planning takes sacrifice, takes your time, your energy, sometimes a lot of those two things, a lot. But believe me, spending the time on those two things at the front end is going to save you so much more time, pain down the road at the back end and in the middle. My goodness. The other thing I didn't mention earlier is you also, some kids, okay, you do all this stuff and it's still really tough. Why? Well, think about, do they actually have a bona fide anxiety disorder? Do they have some intellectual cognitive issues that makes it hard for them to register information? Are they just so impulsive? You know, their temperament is just so impulsive. By the way, um, check out the uh, emotional connections course that I dig into temperament in much more detail. Um, join the waitlist. Um, ADHD, maybe. Neurodiversity. Do they have ASD? Do they have sensory sensitivity that makes it so hard for them to tolerate noise or certain um, textures? Uh, you know. They, uh, no shoes. Carpet sucks. But sometimes carpet is so nice. And a lot of my ASD patients don't wear shoes to clinic because they cannot stand that tightness on their feet. Maybe that's another thing to think about when you're crafting realistic, feasible, acceptable solutions. Do we need to worry about Billy wearing shoes to school? In the grand scheme of things, maybe he goes to a private school, right? <laughs> what does it say when you have a kid that can't wear shoes to private school because he's got sensory sensitivity and he gets anxious because, he, you know, it is feeling the, the pressure on his feet is just too much for him in the morning. <laughs> I don't know. It's something for you to figure out. So, you know, anxiety happens uh, not just because your kid is an anxious person. I mean, that might be the case, but... Usually, there is something 
happening at that interface between the environment and your child that's causing friction, right? So if you understand that, it does help to shift our mindset a little bit from one of pushing to one of pulling. So instead of pushing your kid across the line, right? Pushing implies that you, there's resistance, intentional resistance. And sometimes there is, of course. But if you shift your mindset to one of pulling your kid across the line, it's sort of a, a different kind of approach. You know, you're, 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 you're leading from the front, encouraging. You understand that this is tough. Your kid is in a rut. Your kid is troubled. And not, not because they're deliberately producing the trouble, but because something is going on for them and they are struggling. So you need to pull them, not to push them, right? So, how do you know when to push? <coughs> you don't. You pull. How do you know when to start pulling your kid across the line? You do that always. Always. Pulling is always what you do. But sometimes, you should stop pulling. If, if they're stuck in the mud, and you're pulling, and their hips are about to dislocate, because they're stuck in the mud, so you need to stop pulling and address where their feet are stuck in the mud. Maybe the mud is just too thick. Maybe you need to avoid the mud in the first place. Maybe they need to have slippery feet. Oil them up. Oil them up before you get them to school. You know, so it's... It, <laughs> It's 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 a difficult answer to question. Be, uh, sorry, to, uh, it's a difficult question to answer because there's so many um, variables, so many factors. But you can get to the answer yourself if you have a team that understands the barriers, pressures, and expectations that is bearing down on your child, and you have a good idea or reasonably good idea of what skills you need to equip them with in order to deal with said pressure, demand, and expectation. Once you understand that, you pull. You pull your kid. <laughs> you don't push. Does that make sense? Hope it makes sense. Anyway, go. I invite you to do that module in the course, but you kind of have to enroll in the course as well. Um... If you want to uh, learn more about emotional storms, meltdowns, and how to prevent them, how to navigate through the middle of a storm without feeling hopeless and like this is never going to stop, go and check out the free uh, training video. Um, you can go to howtowisdom.com forward slash get tools, G-E-T-T-O-O-L-S. It's free. Just and, and then it will automatically sign you up for my email newsletters and you, you get a whole bunch of tips as well on there about how you um, help your kid through emotional storms. Um, but I also dig deep into um, you know the steps procedure, for example, and trying to understand that mismatch that causes incompatibility and friction for our children. So um, my friends, I've, I've run out of time. I hope that was helpful to you. Um, Love to hear from you. Drop me a DM. Just learning all the lingo now. DM on Instagram, uh, Dr. Devin Tan, 
Or if you type in Huddle Wisdom, I'll, I'll come up. Yay! And uh, Or if you want to find us on wherever you, f- you get your podcasts, you know, type Parenting with Huddle Wisdom. Um, oh, of course you... Of course you would. You've, you've just found me, so you would know. Anyway, sorry. Instagram. I'm on Instagram. Um, go check it out. And yeah, go sign up for the free training video. It will be worth your while, my friends. I don't want to waste your time. And um, yeah, hope to catch you next time. Uh, have a great week, my friends.